I'm super excited what I get to talk to you about because there's a lot of things probably on my mind, your mind, our minds as we head in to the new year. I mean, there's just lots of stuff. There's lots of stuff we should do, lots of resolutions. That's a big thing every year. Hey, by the way, do you know that on this day, um, 14 years ago, we launched Lifehouse as a church and look what we are now. So that's kind of cool. But in light of that, the new year and the fact this is kind of our 14th year anniversary, I wanted to talk about that one thing that each of us should be focused on. That one thing that I should be focused on or you should be focused on, and they might be different for all of us, but we know we have that one thing that we should really give our focus and attention to this year. Maybe it's a marriage thing or a financial thing or a family thing. It's that thing, though, that if we would give it our attention, our focus, if we would decide to do something about that one thing, maybe 2021 would look a little bit different regardless of what happens around us in our world. And maybe you've thought about the one thing you need to think about this year. Maybe your wife or your friend or family members said, hey, you really need to pay attention. And you shake, shook your head and you said, yeah, I should do that. But for all of us, it's easy to get distracted. It's easy to take our eye off what is most important. For you, for me, that one thing, it might look like a habit you must break. It's that habit that someone's spoken to you about. And listen, you know your life would go better if you wouldn't have this certain habit in your life. But if everybody, you know, everybody could do it, you wouldn't do it. And it's just so easy to fall into it. And maybe you got distracted of, off the discipline of changing that habit. Maybe for you, that one thing is a goal you must accomplish this year. Or a project you must complete. You've been talking about it for years. Maybe it's a relationship you must restore. And listen, when I say that, maybe for you, it drums up all this emotion. Because when you think about the relationship that needs to be restored, it's the fact you got to pick up the phone and call him or call her or ask for forgiveness or apologize. And you would just say, listen, if I could sprinkle fairy dust on it, if I could just wave a magic wand on that one thing and it was all better, I would do it because it would make my year better and my life better, maybe someone else's life better. But it's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult for all of us. Maybe for you, it's a relationship you must end. Now, when we talk about this today, I mean, I'm not pushing you at all to do that with your marriage, but maybe there's some unhealthy relationships you have. And you would say, and I would say, yeah, I would end that relationship with that unhealthy person if it wasn't like an atomic bomb going off and I'd have to suffer the fallout. But what is the one thing for you? Maybe for you, it's, it's the debt you need to retire. And you know, every time we talk about this, maybe you show up at church or watch online and we talk about getting rid of our debt and being able to be more generous and you shake your head and you say amen and then you feel guilty about it, right? And you read Dave Ramsey's book, you know, Financial Peace, which is so good, but it's been hard to follow through. What, what if you just said, this is going to be my one thing in 2021 that I'm going to attack. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to pick one thing or think about one thing as we talk today. I mean, you may say, but man, I got four things where you may feel really heavy, like I got 10 things I need to work on. Now, the challenge is when we have 10 things, we tend to do no things. So I'd love for you to think about that one thing that if you decided to pay attention to it, to give it your focus, to stop doing it, that your life would go in a better direction. And here's a weird thing about church, and we'll talk a little bit more about this. Um, we come to church, we jump online, and we hear the music, and it's emotional. We hear stories and baptisms, and it kind of gets us in the feels, and we feel like something good is happening, or we feel a little guilty, and we feel like something good is happening when we feel guilty if some of us are wired that way. But the goal today, really the goal every Sunday, is not for us just to feel something, but is to do something that changes us 
to make us more the reflection of God or more reflection of Jesus. And if you're not a Jesus follower, you still want to move in a better direction with your life. It's why we say all the time that Jesus makes your life better, makes you better at life. Now, interestingly enough, this one thing concept, we're going to learn from someone in the Old Testament scriptures, the ancient Hebrew scriptures, the Jewish scriptures that brought us the Savior of the world. And his name is simply Nehemiah. Now, let me just tell you a little bit about Nehemiah. He came in under the throne of King I can never say this right, Artaxerxes, but I know I just said that wrong. But he was the king of Persia in 444 BC. And 100 years before this, Nehemiah's people, the Jewish people, had been exiled to Babylon. And so Nehemiah has been removed from his people, from Jerusalem, from his heritage, but he still has a heart for where he came from. And he's heard these awful things that are going on back in the nation of Israel, back in Jerusalem, like the the king's city of the ancient Hebrew people. And he decides, I need to do something about it. Now, here's what's interesting about Nehemiah. He is the cupbearer to the king. He is a Jewish man, but he is also a slave. And the odd thing, he's also one of the king's friends. And so he approaches the king, King Artaxerxes, if I said it better that time. And he says, King, listen, my people are in trouble. I got to do something about my home city, Jerusalem. Can I have some time off to go back and make repairs or help in any way I can? The odd thing is, slaves don't get vacation. They don't get time off. But the king looks at Nehemiah and says, you can go, and not only can you go, you can be the governor of Judea and the mayor of Jerusalem. He gives him this incredible title because up to this point, Nehemiah had been faithful to his king. He'd been trustworthy. He'd been a man of integrity. So he travels back to Jerusalem from Persia. He gathers supplies and funds and resources to do something about a problem in his world, and it becomes his one thing. Now he arrives, and it's interesting because the people that lived in Jerusalem, they didn't understand all the heritage that they once were a part of as a, as a people. They had never seen their city as a great city as it once was. It was broken down. It had been pillaged. It was in terrible shape. In fact, you could say this about Jerusalem. There was no national pride. There was no sense of God with us. There was no history that the people were hanging on to, and there was no hope. And Nehemiah, he arrives in this mess of a city and he takes a day and a night and he travels all around the city. And what he sees, it it breaks his heart. And we've talked about this before. When something really breaks your heart, you just have to do something about it. And the one thing that Nehemiah decided I have to do for my home city and for my people was restore the wall around the city. Restore the wall to protect Jerusalem. Because up to this point, Jerusalem was just being pillaged. Every time they had any kind of resource, every time they brought crops in, the neighboring warlords and the regional tribes would come in and they would pillage and take and just leave them a a poor, poverty-ridden people. And Nehemiah decides to create this incredible leadership and this incredible vision. Now, side note, if you're listening this morning or today, or this year at any time, and you think, man, these stories are great, but they're so hard for me to wrap my mind around because I'm not a person of faith. You you just need to know this. In this story of Nehemiah, there are no angels, there's no miracles, there's no supernatural. It's just a man that feels like God has given him a vision, and he has passes that vision along to his people with incredible leadership, and he does something. 
Just for me personally, the leadership and vision casting of Nehemiah in this story has been an inspiration for me as we started LifeHouse, as I've led LifeHouse, as we've got to be a part of what God is doing in it. Because God calls us, men and women, to do extraordinary things when we decide to make it our one thing. Now, in this story, as Nehemiah is putting the wall back together, one of the regional warlords, one of the regional tribe leaders, he, he's a man named Sanballat. Now, his parents must not have liked him very much to give him a name like Sanballat. He realizes this warlord, this tribal leader, he, he realizes this wall is a problem because it's going to hurt his personal income because his tribe, his crew would rush into the city of Jerusalem, take what they wanted, including women and children, grain and money, and they'd run off with it. And every time it was built back up, they would, lose, they would take more. And now this wall is there to keep them from doing that. So Sanballat, we find in chapter 6 of this book of Nehemiah, if you want to read it later on your own, he decides to take action. And he decides to send spies into the city to cry, try and create dissension amongst Nehemiah's people because dissension, especially when it comes to the church or God's people, is always a problem. He tries to lure Nehemiah out of the city walls so he can kill him because he wants to stop this young man that is a leader at all costs. And it is in the interaction between Nehemiah and Sanballat that we find this life-changing verse. So if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to open up to Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1, and I'm just going to read it to you. And I'm reading it off my screen to the left. If I look like I'm looking away, I am. It says, Now, when it was reported to Sanballat, Tobiah to Geshem, the Arab, or Arab, and to the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall and that no breach remained in it. So now Nehemiah has almost got this wall complete and there's no way to breach it. Except, although at the time I had not set up the doors and the gates, then Sanballat and Geshem sent a message to me saying, now remember the context of this. Nehemiah has decided I'm going to build this wall at all costs. It is the one thing I'm giving my focus and my attention to, and I'm not stopping. And Sanballat's been trying to distract him, so he sends him this message. Imagine Nehemiah upon this wall, doing this work. He's got a spear in one hand and a hammer in the other, because he's defending the wall and building it at the same time. And somebody comes, and he shakes Nehemiah's ladder, like, Nehemiah, Nehemiah, you got to come down for just a minute, because I have a message from this man that leads a tribe in the region. And this is what the message said. It said, come, let us meet together at Shepherim, which is like a village nearby, in the middle, in the plain of Ono, which was not John Lennon's wife, by the way. <laughs> Thinking about that all week. But they were planning to harm me. So, you know, Nehemiah gets this message from this enemy leader. It says, hey, come on, take a break, Nehemiah. Let's go over to the village. Let's get a burger. Let's get a beer. Let's just sit down and talk. And maybe we can make a compromise. You know that feeling when someone offers you something that would distract you from what is most important in your life? And it's so easy to go, you know what, I've been on this wall for a long time. I've been parenting, I've been working, I've been doing my thing. I deserve a little something for me. I deserve a little bit of stepping into the darkness or looking away from what's most important. That's really what Nehemiah is being invited to. And Nehemiah says, I'm not coming off this wall, though, because I can't be distracted and I realize if I go in this direction, I will end up dead. We'll come back to that in just a minute. Story goes on. So I sent messengers to them saying, now, Nick, now the next thing that Nehemiah says is something that is so powerful. 
It has the ability to change the direction of our lives, of our family, maybe our nation, our churches, but your own personal direction also. This might be what he says next, why you showed up today. Listen to what he says. He says, so I sent a message to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Listen, that is such an important thing. Right where you are, wherever you're sitting, if you're in your car, if you're walking, if you're exercising, if you're sitting in the living room with your family, would you just say that with me? I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Say it again. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. See, my friends, there, there might be something. In fact, there is something in your life that is so important that you cannot afford to take your eyes off it right now and do almost anything else. For some of you, it's something you got to climb up on the wall and you got to finish or you got to tackle or you got to deal with. It's maybe something that God has given you in your family, in your marriage, with your kids, and it is a great work. Look what Nehemiah goes on to say. Why should I, why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? Listen, you, you tend to tell Sandballot, thanks for the invitation. The burger, the beer, the conversation sounds like it's inviting, but what I'm doing on this wall is my most important life work, and I can't leave it. I would love to spend time with some family and friends. I know I deserve a vacation. I've been working my tail off. I deserve something for me, but right now, in this moment, I cannot stop this great work. It goes on. They sent messages to me, this is Nehemiah talking, four times in this manner, and I answered them in the same way. And this is fascinating to me because this is what we all find out. When we decide to go after a great work that God has put in front of us, and again, if you're not a Christian, maybe just a great work you know you should do, there will be distractions. There will be annoying nuisances. There will be invitations that are so appealing. But Nehemiah is like, no, this is my answer to all that. Every time his response was, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. I am doing a great work and I cannot leave it. And this matters to you and this matters to me. But Nehemiah's life, if he would have come down off that wall, this dream of rebuilding his home city would have died at that moment. And there's this interesting idea that there are things in our life that if I don't deal with and if you don't deal with, if we don't focus on, if we don't give our attention to, they have the potential to ruin our lives. Relationally, something can kill a family, it can kill a job, it can kill a future job, it can kill a relationship with your kids or your future kids. For some of us, it's something that could destroy us financially if we don't pay attention to it. Let's just go someplace that's a little hard to talk about after the holidays and after COVID. I mean, let's talk about our health for a minute. If we don't focus on our health, for some of us right now, because we're a little heavier and we haven't exercised enough and the doctor has been telling us things need to change, so we switch doctors or we get more prescriptions or we take more medicine, it has the potential to ruin our lives and our lives are too valuable in this world to ruin them. And maybe for you, your wife said something to you or your husband said something to you. And it's time to pay attention. And again, you can come to church and you can sing and you can pray and you can shout hallelujah if you're from that kind of church like I was. And that's all good and you should do that. But that's not going to change your health necessarily. What's going to change your health is paying attention to it and doing the right things for it. In other words, you can get all that quiver in your liver 
spirituality. We all like a little quiver in our liver where we just feel good and tingly spiritually inside. But it's when we do something with what we know we should do that things change in our life. I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Maybe you're a parent today. And this is such a huge deal. And you got a two-year-old or a six-year-old or an eight-year-old and you tuck them into bed at night. And there you're a great work. And there's a lot of things you could be doing with your time and their time, but there you're a great work. My friends, do not get distracted. Keep pouring in God's love and his faithfulness to your children. Do not get distracted. When something comes along that calls you off that wall as a parent, you just say, no, I'm doing a great work right here. Maybe you got teenagers. And to see them in bed, you know, you got to go into their rooms like at 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning. And they're a lot taller and they're a lot smellier and they got hormones rushing around. And let's be honest, it's hard for teens when they're teens and it's hard for parents when they're teens. And the temptation is to come off that wall. And I'm just saying, that might be your greatest work right now. You keep leaning into your teenagers. Keep leading them towards Jesus. Keep protecting your daughters and your sons in any way you can. I know it's difficult, but that might be your great work that you're most thankful for in the future. This is my great work. And maybe you just need to look at your 15-year-old, put your hand, dads, come on, come on, dads. Put your hands on his face and say, you are my great work. And I'm not getting distracted for you from you for anything else. And he may think you're stupid, but he'll remember that. Or she'll remember that. You're my great work. And I'm not coming down. Men, come on now. Maybe for this, this is, this is your wife. And she's your great work right now. And you could earn more money and you could travel more. But what if she's your great work? What if she's the thing God's called you to make a priority over everything else in this world? And you could play more cards, work on more trucks, play more golf. But what if right now she needs to be your work, great work? Would you stand on that wall and say, I'm going to love her above all things and serve her? and care for in any way I can. And, and ladies, I mean, it comes to us men, I mean, we're a, we're a piece of work, right? I mean, not just a great work, we're a piece of work, I know. So have, have compassion on us. But what if your husband is your great work right now? And he needs to be a priority over just about everything else. Husband and wives, this is what we're called to. No distractions, no coming off the wall for anything right now. And what would it look like in your marriage if you looked at each other and said, hey, you are my great work, and I'm not coming down off this wall. If you're a college student, if you're a young single person, you know what's on that wall for you right now. So much hinges on your life. And literally, it's a choice between disaster and success. And I know he's cute, ladies, but do not come down off that wall for something that is not worth your time. And I know she smells good, guys, but do not take your eyes off what God has called you to. For someone that isn't supposed to be in your future. And here's what I know for your single people, for your college students, for young people. There are opportunities to be had. And that's great. And there's things that are cool that you'd like to be a part of. And there are things that are fun that just try and grab your attention. Like, come this way, come this way, come this way. But God has called you to a life of purpose. And right now, you are deciding the directions of your life. My most important decision in my entire life came when I was 20 years old. Not, not when I started our church, not when I had kids, when I was 20 years old. It's what changed my entire life. And if I wouldn't have chose that, I, I might have been a disaster today. And I'm grateful to God. 
And if you're a teenager and your mom and dad has drugged you into the living room and made you watch this, I know, I know, it feels like you're told this all the time. But what if you were the person God is going to use greatest in your generation? But you've got to stay on that wall and you've got to lean into what God is calling you to do, this great work. Now, as I have been talking through this, I've been praying all week, all, all month really, for this particular message, that something would come to your mind, because things have come to my mind. And again, maybe someone has already said this to you, you've already thought about it, but it'd be the thing you have to climb up on the wall and say, I'm going to pay attention to this, and I'm not coming down, I'm not leaving it. See, Nehemiah, he didn't come off that wall, even though his king could have been frustrated at him when he heard all the rumors that got back to him in Persia that Sanballat had created. He didn't come off that wall for rest. He didn't come off that wall because he was scared. He decided, I am not leaving this wall. Nothing pulls me off. And sometimes we just got to have that mentality. And then if you go to the story, finally, this is what we're told. It says, so the wall was completed. And there's always that, so the wall was completed on the 25th of the month of Elul in 52 days. Now he had to pause. Think about that. 52 days. The wall that restored Jerusalem was restored itself 52 days because a man and some women and some other men decided to come together under this vision and do what only they could do. When all our enemies heard of it and all the nations surrounding it saw it, they lost their confidence. And this is something I have witnessed over and over in my life. When I decide to be laser focused on what's most important, those things that are sideways energies, maybe not so good for me, not so good for my family or our church, they start to lose their power over you because focus is an incredible thing. Nehemiah said they lost their confidence for they recognized that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. It's an amazing thing. These enemies lost confidence. Now remember, there's no miracles in this story. There's no thunderbolt and lightning from God. There's no angels that showed up. Just a man and a whole bunch of people under God's direction and God's strength to keep their eye on what was most important and what had to be done. And God honored their discipline. And God honored their hard work. And he honored what they were accomplishing in his name. And we're talking about this story thousands of years later in Jerusalem. And the people of Israel were sustained. And it brought us Jesus eventually. Because one man had a vision. And once he was on this vision, he just kept coming back to, I'm doing a great work. I'm doing a great work. And I cannot come down. Now, if I was to be honest with you, I, I could stop right there and go, okay, that's it. We should sing a song, we should clap for Nehemiah and God, and just be done with it. But I just decided on this first Sunday in January to push you a little bit, to push me, to stir us up. Now, as I talk in the next just few minutes, and I'm about done, so hang with me, don't bail on me yet. I'm going to say some things that might frustrate you. I'm going to say some things that might bother you. In fact, for some of you, you might just think, listen, I'm not ever going to pay attention to this church again because this was just too hard. I hope you don't do that. And if you do that and you leave for a little while, I hope you come back. And when you do, you need to know we're going to welcome you back and just we're really glad that you're with us. But here's the deal. I think God loves you too much. And I think God loves us too much to let us just stop here and not really figure out what he's called us to. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to push you a little bit. And I brought up some notes on my iPad because I just want to make sure I got these right. 
So for you, maybe your one thing is you have a habit that needs breaking. Maybe someone has said to you, and this is hard, you drink too much. You drink too much. And it offended you, but if someone has said to you, you drink too much, you probably drink too much. And it took them all the courage and the guts they had to say that to you. And you might want to pay attention to that because you do not want to let something like alcohol get in the way of what God has called you to do. Now, you may say, well, Matt, are you against alcohol? No, I think a brat and a beer is one of God's greatest gifts to us. But when it comes to the point that we're drinking too much, it can mess our lives up. Maybe for you, and I told you I was going to push you, maybe it's a prescription drug, drug thing. And you would say, oh, I don't have a prescription drug problem, but listen, you're going to two or three different doctors and now you're buying stuff from people off the streets and it's become an addiction. And if you don't get up on that wall and deal with it, to get some help with it, it might be the thing that destroys your life. And you don't want that. And you don't want that for your family. Maybe for you, and this is not such a big deal, maybe as it once was, but maybe it is for you, it's a tobacco problem. And you've gone from cigarettes to chewing and now you're vaping nicotine and it's just become an addiction. You don't want to be addicted to anything. And I'm not even mad at you if you smoke cigarettes. I just don't want you to hurt yourself because your health matters. And if you're not healthy, you can't live in the way God wants you to live. And I'm speaking to myself in some of these areas also. Maybe for you this year, it's just got to be social media. And sometimes we chuckle and we make fun of social media. But listen, if you're thumbing through pictures of yourself on social media... If you're trying to see how many likes you get with social media so you have value and you feel good about yourself, that's not healthy. Maybe this is the year you just go, listen, I'm going to attack that. If you have the propensity just to attack people on social media, to vent, to let the world know your problems, you know, that's probably not the best witness for Jesus that you could be. That could be your thing. You go, this is the one thing that I'm going to get a handle on. I'm doing a great work. Until I get a handle on it, I'm not coming down. It's a little bit tougher for men, and maybe this is for women, but for men, maybe it's an internet addiction. Maybe pornography has just got the best of you. And you got in a place where you go, listen, I, I get to about two weeks, and I slip, and I mess up, and I'm back to the same place, and it's just guilt after guilt after guilt. Maybe this is the year you talk to someone about it, because you don't want it to affect your marriage anymore. This is what we know, that pornography destroys intimacy. And if there's not a lot of intimacy in your marriage relationship, maybe that's the reason. I'm not coming down off this wall. I'm going to deal with this until it is under my foot. It's my great work. Maybe for you, it's debt. And again, you've thought about debt like, ah, oh, I'm going to do it someday. I'm going to figure it out someday. And then you bought another car and took out another loan and put another credit card down. Maybe this is you. You just sell it all. You move in with your mama or somebody's mama or get a mama. I don't know. Do something, right? But no more spending money you have until you start to knock at least the credit card debt down and stop that part of the bleeding in your life because it's digging a hole you can't come out of. And what would it look like? What would it look like for you in five years? If you followed Dave Ramsey advice and you got debt free, what kind of freedom would you actually have? And here's the thing we're learning is you can do it with vision and strength and God's help. You can actually do it. A couple more tough things. Maybe you, it's time to work. I mean, your wife's asked you to work. Your mom has asked you to work and you don't want to work. And it's time to lend a hand and give support, pay, help pay for your kids if you got kids. And I know you could tell me why your last job screwed you over and it wasn't fair and $9 an hour is not worth it, but maybe it's time to say, this is my great work. 
I'm going to contribute to our world, to my family, to my own existence. Maybe turn off the Xbox, the, whatever, the PS5 that just came out, and do a great work in that. Maybe for you it's a relational thing. And this is, again, it's so emotional. But there's a conversation you need to have. Men, we don't like to have relationship conversations a lot because it causes us to talk and share our feelings. But do you know this? The most manly, strong thing you could do would be to sit down and talk about what's going on inside of you with your spouse. And then say to your wife, and she would just probably fall over dead if you say this, let's go to counseling. Let's get some help. Let's get some outside influence that makes us healthier. And, and ladies, I'm not even sure what to say to you, except what if this was your deal too? And it was this year that you decided we're going to make our relationship, our marriage, the healthiest thing it possibly can be. Maybe your marriage just feels like it's going in different directions. And maybe because something is going on secretly or privately that your spouse doesn't know about, it's time to climb up on that wall and deal with it and say, this is my great work. I stood on an altar at one time, I stood out in a field at one time and said, for the rest of our lives, for better, for poor, for richer, for sickness and health, and maybe it's time to lean in to those awesome vows that you took. Maybe you need to get in a community group. We're gonna be talking about that this month. And you know that your family and your marriage would benefit from having other Christian couples in your life. Maybe that is your great work to be a part of. Maybe for you, you got a relationship you shouldn't be in. And again, I'm not talking about, not talking about your marriage. I'm talking about the fact that maybe you're a young woman and you said, I'm never going to shack up with someone until I'm married. And somehow you found yourself in that place. You're a Christian man that said, I'm never going to down a certain road. Now you are. And you know this, to undo that, to climb up on that wall today, it would cost you rent. It would cost you inconvenience. It might even cost you a relationship. But it may be the best thing you do for the future, you. And I would just say this to you, young men, young women, and even if you're not young, you are worth someone that loves you and someone that loves Jesus. You are worth that and you are worthy of that. And if you are settling for anything less, I mean, I just think it should be like Nehemiah. I'm climbing up on that wall. I'm going to be focused on the best life God can give me and I'm not going to get distracted no matter what. Now, there's a lot of negative sides to that, but I don't know how to talk about what we should do without addressing what we shouldn't do. But for some of you, it's a, it's a positive thing. Like for years, you felt the call of God on your life to start a business, to start a ministry, to start a nonprofit, to do something great, maybe just as a volunteer, and you've resisted and you waited until you won the lottery, right? Or you get everything figured out. And maybe this is the year you just decide, listen, I'm gonna go start that thing. And I'm going to go do something. I'm going to be a part of something that changes the world and changes my world. Maybe that's it. Maybe for you, it's just this awesome opportunity to tell your kids you love them more and to show it, to be around them in phenomenal ways, to be a part of the church you love, like a church like ours. Whatever it is, this is what we learn from Nehemiah, is when men and women, almost always under the leading of God, but if you don't feel that, you still should do this, Decide, I'm going to do this one thing because it is the most important thing in my life. And it can be something you start. It can be something you have to quit. It has to be at a relationship you have to fix. But we all have this great work in our lives. And what if we would just all say, I'm doing a great work.
And in light of that great work, I cannot come down. Now, the reason we're not singing a song today, we're not doing something really emotional, is this is not really an emotional thing because we have to wake up tomorrow and still want to do it. So what I hope for you is you can decide what that one thing this year is going to be for you. Remember, if you try and do five or ten, you probably won't do any. But what is your great work that you're not going to come down off that wall for? And what would 2021 look like if we decided to attack it and pay attention to it and deal with it? Guys, I love you, God loves you, and I think he wants this for you. So let's do this. What's your one thing? And how are you going to figure it out, pay attention to it, stop doing it, fix it, and change it? It's your great work. Let me pray for you. Jesus, it is so much easier for me to say this than to do it. But Lord, we have found over and over this is how our lives change, that we're inspired by you, given strength by you, and then we have to take action under your strength and your leadership. Thank you for Nehemiah who shows us how this can be done in such an amazing way. And for the dad, the mom, the husband, the wife, that they're just kind of scared to take the step of what they know they need to do. I pray you'd give them the strength to do that. For the young single person or all the single people, I pray that they would have a vision for where their life needs to go and what needs to change. For all of us, God, help us to hang on to you and your very best and take action today in that. And thanks for loving us when we don't do this. And thanks for cheering us on when we do do this kind of stuff. It is in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen.